I just took a leap of faith. I said, this dream is speaking about your life. I said, you've been given a gift by God to give life to men rather than death. But something happened to you at the age of seven that put you on this path of hatred and anger and resentment and bitterness and has locked you in this prison. And he started just screaming, who are you people? Everything this American has said is true about my life. Who are you people? You know, because we didn't have our big Jesus love you Christian shirts on. We didn't have our Bibles with us. And so he says, who are you people? Everything this American said is true about my life. And he just melted on the table in tears. It was so powerful. That changed my life forever in the sense of prophetic evangelism, right there in a nutshell. Even if you are alone in your evangelistic journey, today you are joined by people from all over the world that, like you, want to learn, grow, and give Jesus the glory that he's due. They want to love people more effectively in the power of the Holy Spirit, and you're in the right place. The Harvest Podcast is a conversation-based podcast where we explore testimonies and the stories of what God is doing in the harvest today. Now, I'm Tony Luce. I'm your host. You'll get to know me better as the weeks go on and you hear more in conversation But I want to jump right into our first guest. He's a pioneer in what many would call prophetic evangelism, and I'm just really excited to have him on. Prophetic evangelism, as some of you know, is hearing God on behalf of somebody else so that they can know Jesus. That's really simple. That's all it is. It's hearing God for somebody else so that they can know Jesus or come closer to knowing him. In my opinion, the best place that we see this in Scripture is in John chapter 4, where Jesus is speaking to the woman at the well. Now, this woman is a Samaritan, and in that time, there are cultural, religious, and ethnic-slash-racial reasons why he's not supposed to be at the well. He's not supposed to be talking to her, especially as a rabbi, but he is. One thing prophetic evangelism does so well is to reach people that the traditional church has overlooked or not been able to reach for whatever reason. And in the course of this simple conversation that Jesus has with this woman, she goes from thinking he might have an inappropriate reason to talk to me to running into town and telling people, this man told me everything I've ever done. You have to come and hear him. If God isn't so wise to use Jesus to compassionately reveal the secrets, the pain, and the sin in her heart so that she could be restored to God in that way, our guest today is a pioneer in prophetic evangelism in that he has spent years in communities and reaching individuals that traditional church has not reached. And a lot of them are wounded by the church or want nothing to do with it. But they're really hungry for truth and they're really ravenous for Jesus. Now I'm going to let him share the testimonies and share some stories. Currently, he's a pastor in New Hampshire and he oversees Pinnacle Prayer Mountain, which is as cool as it sounds. But if you've never heard his name before, it's my privilege, it's my honor to introduce you to Reese Saunders. Reese, thank you so much for being with us. Now, I, I mentioned prophetic evangelism, but you, got, you use it in a really interesting context. You're going places that, where people are searching out alternative spiritual experiences. You're searching out alternative religions and all kinds of things. And so can you tell us what prophetic evangelism looks like in your context? In a nutshell, basically, prophetic evangelism is using your prophetic gift, uh, i.e., you know, dreams, visions, and uh, prophetic encounters, to be able to go out into the streets and to use that in the same way that a psychic would sit on the street and they would use their gifting to interact and to speak into people's lives. And it's the same way that we would train and equip people to go out and encounter people who don't know Christ using giftings, which is to look into their lives, to see 
the purposes that God created them for to communicate that to them through a prophetic word or through a dream that they had or through an encouraging word. Now, as, while you're talking about evangelism, you just mentioned biblical dream interpretation, which for some people may be a brand new idea, even though it's throughout the entire Bible. And Acts 2 says that in the last days, says the Lord, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And he talks about how people will prophesy dream dreams and have visions. And he's talking about night dreams. He's talking about supernatural visions in the context of that. So obviously it's referred to in the Bible as something happening to all flesh, not just Christians. But how does it specifically fit into evangelism? I mean, for those of us that grew up hearing more traditional evangelism or proclamation evangelism, that might seem really strange. Well, if you look in Scripture, most of the dreams that are recorded in Scripture are by non-believers. And then you have the Daniels, the Josephs, are the ones that interpreted the dreams of kings. He had Pharaoh had a dream, and basically he had a dream of what was coming onto the land of Egypt. He knew about Joseph, so he came and called upon Joseph, and Joseph said, "Let me, let me pray about it. It's not, I don't." I can't give you understanding because I'm this gifted guy. He says, the dream belongs to Jehovah. So he prayed, God gave him understanding, and he was able to give understanding to Pharaoh of a dream that was given to him by God. Then you see Nebuchadnezzar, and you see uh, the baker, the butler. You see all these guys having dreams. And then you had believers in, in Christ or Jehovah at the time in the Old Testament. They were able to give understanding to the things that you dream. See, Job chapter 33, verses 14 through 17 says this, God speaks one way, yet another way, yet man does not perceive him. So that means that God is speaking to us in many different ways, but yet we can, we're not able to perceive him because we're fighting all these different voices, the world, your thoughts, the enemy's thoughts, and God's thoughts. So which one is it? So it says, God speaks one way, yet another way, yet we can't perceive him. It said, so when men lay their head on the pillow, then God opens the ear of man and seals their instruction, speaking to them in a dream or vision. Right there, it's telling you, every one of us, every one of the listeners, everyone in the world, he didn't say just the prophets. He said, when men lay their head on the pillow, means mankind. We spend about the average of eight hours sleeping, Then God opens up our ears and he speaks to us in a dream or in a vision. And so there's a whole 21 hours of teaching that I could go into that discusses dreams. But that's for another topic. The whole thing that really got me into uh, prophetic evangelism, and it it was a story that some have heard, but uh, it propelled me into this place that I didn't know where God was taking me. I just found out about John Paul. And I wasn't a dreamer. I could remember maybe one dream in my lifetime. When people asked me if I had dreams, I said, no, I don't dream at night. They asked me if I could interpret dreams. I would tell them, nope, I don't know how to interpret dreams. But I did take a class with John Paul, and he taught understanding dreams and visions. And so once I understood that dreams were the language of God, and I had to learn the language of God, then it it opened up my understanding, and I started studying, and I started learning about how God speaks to dreams. But I wasn't that good. And John Paul took me on. He asked me to go to Poland with him, and I went to Poland. And he was teaching the class, and I was just hanging out watching. And uh, during the one break, you know, evening break, you know, everybody wants to hang out with John Paul and go to dinner with him. And I said, I wanted to hang out with the young people. So I, I said, John Paul, I'm going to go hang out with these guys. He said, oh, okay, go ahead. And so I went, we went to this this park and we just, they started just asking me a lot of questions about dreams. 
these two drunk guys came by and they were harassing the table. And I don't speak Polish, so one of the girls stood up and says, hey, we got this American here. You guys are bothering us. Leave us alone. We went back to talking. They started bothering us, uh, the group again, you know, and she stood up. She says, hey, I'm telling you, you guys are interrupting us. We're trying to talk to this American and you're bothering us. Well, in the I don't speak Polish. In the midst of that conversation, I'm just sitting there watching and the Lord speaks to me in, in the still small voice. It wasn't audible or anything. It was just, why don't you ask him if he had a dream last night? And I'm thinking to myself, I'm not going to ask him if he had a dream last night. I'm not very good at interpreting dreams yet. So if he tells me a dream, I'm going to look bad in front of all these these people I just met. And the Lord said, ask him. I said, but Lord, he's drunk. I don't want to ask a drunk man a dream. You don't know what in the world you're going to get. So I'm arguing with the Lord about this whole thing about asking him. So they're finished. And um, I said, excuse me. I said, ask the drunk man if he had a dream last night. She, the whole table was kind of shocked. She just looked at him. She says, the American wants to know if you had a dream last night. And he's like, yeah, I had this dream last night. And I'm thinking, oh, no, here we go. He said, I had this <laughs> dream last night that I was, it was dark outside. And there was this prison. I was locked in this prison. And these men kept coming into my prison. They and I kept stabbing them and killing them. And they would come in one by one. I'd stab them and I'd kill them. And he said, that happened all night long where I would stab and kill men coming into my prison. He said, that's my dream I had last night. And he looks at me and the table's looking at me. And I'm thinking, that's why I didn't want to ask him. I had no clue, <laughs> I had no clue what that dream meant. I was perplexed again because I didn't, I wasn't very good at dreams. I just took in the class maybe a month ahead of time. And so they're looking at me waiting. You've had that experience where people, you ask them and they just look, okay, what do you think it is? Yeah. And I just took a leap of faith. I said, this dream is speaking about your life. And as soon as I said that, revelation came. It was like the Holy Spirit just came. And I said, this dream is speaking about your life. I said, you've been given a gift by God to give life to men rather than death. But something happened to you at the age of seven that put you on this path of hatred and anger, and resentment, and bitterness, and has locked you in this prison. And he started just screaming, who are you people? Everything this American has said is true about my life. Who are you people? You know, because we didn't have our big Jesus love you Christian shirts on. We didn't have our Bibles yeah. with us. And so he says, who are you people? Everything this American said is true about my life. And he just melted on the table in tears. It was so wow. powerful. And the Lord said that he's been touched inappropriately by men all his life. And he said, now touch him the right way. And so I reached over and I kissed him on the forehead. And he just wept and just wept and wept and wept. And they ended up leading him to the Lord. And uh, he said they were going to get drunker and go break into houses and do harm to people. But because of what happened, there weren't many people back then doing prophetic evangelism. Maybe a few guys. But it wasn't mainstream yet in the church. And so from that point on, that kind of propelled me and then meeting Scott into doing prophetic evangelism and kind of pioneering it. We went to the hardest of the hard places to be able to reach people like this guy what, that had a dream, didn't know what his dream meant. But somebody like a Daniel and a Joseph, and trust me, I'm not comparing myself to Joseph, I'm I'm only doing it for the sake of being able to understand how God speaks. The dream language is God's picture language. 
When you mentioned the testimony earlier of what happened in Poland, the first time that you went, you shared about the compassion, what you learned there. And that was your first time. Right. I remember, I think it was Scott saying, you know, hearing God took him to the streets, the streets gave him compassion, and then compassion led him to dream interpretation. Right. Something along those lines. Along the journey that you've had, what, what do you feel like the, is the greatest thing you've learned on the streets and going to these outreaches? How much the Holy Spirit is speaking to non-believers that we don't realize. And that if we can just be a listening ear, not preaching, you know, God hates sin, you're going to die and go to hell. They're not interested in going to church. They're not interested in your Bible study. They're not interested in all those things. What they're interested in is somebody would love them. You know, I was at a place where I moved in great power. It was amazing to demonstrate to this church. And uh, the next week they went out by themselves and they didn't have that. It was almost like a very fizzle. He said, how come? And I said, you know, you ever wondered why Jesus, senders and the tax collectors wanted to be around them? Because nothing but love was emanating out of him. And we have to get to that place is that nothing but love emanates out of us. And the problem is Christians aren't there yet. They're, they're criticizing, they're judging they have this righteous, holier-than-thou spirit. Whether they're saying it or not, the witches feel it, the lost feel it. You don't even have to say it. All you have to do is stand next to them, and they feel it. Yeah, They know that you are not safe, and they don't know what it is about you. They say, man, that guy's not safe, so they walk away from you. I think we're the only Christians in this witch event in Australia, and the people loved us. The witches loved us. They kept telling us, man, it's like, dude, who are you guys? And we're like, oh, we're just from America. We're just, we're out here. We're spiritual consultants. And they were like, man, dude, you guys got a lot of light and power emanating out of you. They wanted to know us. They wanted yeah. to get close to us because we had nothing but love emanating out of us. We wouldn't, you know, if, if you're a witch and you're doing sacrifices, I don't care. That's between you and God, you know? You're going to have to answer for that. And so we just love them right where they're at. And it's that love, that compassion for them, that we were able to win many to Christ. I've seen that in you. I remember distinctly sharing testimonies with you from an outreach. And as I was sharing, you were weeping. Now, going along this journey of prophetic evangelism, what something that you, th- you feel like you've done really well, you think other people should do? Loving the people. Loving the people. And I didn't go up to talk. I didn't just go out and talk to everybody. Mm -hmm. I was, Jesus said, he only did what he saw the Father did. So I was long to become one with Christ just as he's one with the Father. And I would go out and I always called it, it was a, um, a rescue mission, search and rescue, that we were looking for God's children just to love them and let them know that he loves them. And so there was another guy that came to another event. This is a short one. And uh, we have the signs that say, you know, all the different stuff. And he sits down and he says uh, to a friend of mine, he says, do you have a spirit guide? And he goes, yeah, I have a spirit guide. Because we do. We do have a spirit guide. He's called the Holy Spirit, right? <clears throat> he says, I have one too. And he said, well, do you want to meet my spirit guide? He says, oh, yeah. Can I meet him? He said, yeah. He said, put out your hands. So he put out his hands. He said, all you have to do is say, spirit of truth, will you come and reveal yourself to me? And yeah. so we're just waiting and waiting. And finally, again, tears in his eyes. And he opens up his eyes. And my friend says, well, did you meet him? He's like, no. <laughs> he was kind of disappointed. You know, he's like, doggone it. <laughs> and he said, but I met this dude named Yeshua. <laughs> and he said he was going to be my spirit guide. Yeah, that's, that's when you back away from the table and you just walk away and you realize that he's in charge of the harvest, not us.
When we read the book of Daniel or even Joseph in the book of Genesis, we see a man who's able to know the king's dream and then interpret it for him. Despite all the other spiritual ideas and alternative religions around him, Yahweh, the true God, makes himself known through the interpretation of a dream. And really, not just the interpretation, but through giving a dream that drives a person to find the right interpretation until they find it. And so when I hear stories of people like Risi who give an interpretation and then instead of pressing in for more, if the person's not quite there yet, they just stop. They exercise self-control. And in doing so, they let the dream giver and the dream interpreter continue on what he's already doing a really good job of, and that's drawing people to Jesus. The knowledge that the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts and Jesus is the Lord of the harvest will change the way you do evangelism. It'll change the way you love people. and It'll change the way you just live your life. I hope this podcast was a blessing to you today. If it was a blessing, go ahead and share it with somebody. Write a review. But if you have a testimony of something God has done through you to touch somebody else, go ahead on the show page and record your testimony of how God used you. And we'll use some of those and put them in future episodes. It's not just the people that we see in the front of the church. It's not just the people who are behind the mic that are in the harvest. The harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. And we want to hear from you. Bless you guys. Lord, I pray that each person listening you draw them closer to you and you would empower them and give them insight and revelation even more to reach the people around them because you love them. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys. This is Tony and I will see you here on this podcast next week with Jay Baylor.